So today we're going to learn a sicha from the Rebbe on the Kutu Sichos. It's volume 16 and it's on this week's parasha Vishalach, and it's the fourth sicha. But I would like to do, to make two introductions to today's sicha. First of all, this is a sicha that the Rebbe spoke in the year 1957 and this was from a Fabrengen, a Simchas Torah Fabrengen. Now, you could only imagine what a Simchas Torah for bringing looks like in 770. And you would, may think that it's only L'chaims and dancing, but there was a big Fabrengans. Now, I want to give you the schedule of that year's Yom Tov and how Yom Tov falls out on a year the way it did in the end of 1957. It's a year where you have a lot of what we call three-day holidays. You had, like, if you have, let's say, a Yom Tif, let's say Rosh Hashanah that year, was Thursday, Friday, and then it went straight into Shabbos. So three-day Yom Tif, okay? Uh, uh, Yom Kippur comes, uh, Yom Kippur is one day, but then the first days of Sukkot was Thursday, Friday, and then straight into Shabbos. And the end of Sukkot was also Thursday, Friday, straight into Shabbos. Now, on the last days of Sukkot, the Rebbe had a tradition of making fabrengans multiple times. And imagine if you were a part of those people in the crowd and you wanted to memorize everything the Rebbe said. Remember, no microphones, Yom Tov and Shabbos. So think about how much you had to work on yourself to understand and memorize. So first, um, so Yom Tov, the last days of Yom Tov, and then goes Shabbos would be Wednesday night, Thursday. Thursday night, Friday, and Friday night, Shabbos day, and then Matzah Shabbos. Now listen to the way this worked. On the night of Simchas Torah, there's always a Fabrengen. So Thursday night, so Wednesday night starts the Shemini Atzeres, but Thursday night, before the Hakafot, there's a Fabrengen. The Fabrengen usually went from about 6.30 p.m. till about midnight, then the Rebbe, or somewhere around there, then he would go up to his room, then he would come back down for Hakafos, maybe Davin Marv, and then everybody went to have a Lachayim in the Kiddush, make Kiddush, then you came back, 1 or one thirty would be Hakafos, would start at that time. But there was a Fabrengen for a few hours, so that's Fabrengen 1. I'm not talking about just these 324 hours at the end of Yamtiv. Then, Friday day is Simchas Torah day. So by the end of Simchas Torah, the last couple hours would be another Fabrengen. Now that one was an interesting one because it's the end of Simchas Torah, but it's also Shabbos, it's Arab Shabbos. So there would be a Fabrengen for many years if it fell on this kind of dates of the week. The Rebbe did a Fabrengen then, even though it went straight into Shabbos. Then... That Shabbos is called Shabbos Bereshis. Yom Tif is over, but it's Shabbos Bereshis. Shabbos Bereshis is also Shabbos Mavarchim. And we know that the Rebbe Fabrengs every Shabbos Mavarchim. So Shabbos Bereshis, 1.30 in the afternoon, does a Fabrengen. So that's already the third Fabrengen that would go for many hours, Shabbos afternoon. And then Mincha, and the Rebbe would go upstairs, and he would come back down Again, for the Matzah Yom Tif Fabrengen. It's Matzah Yom Tif Shabbos. So Matzah Shabbos Bereshis would be another Fabrengen, which is basically the fourth Fabrengen. 
Okay, now the matzah yamta fabrengin, everybody would wash hamotzi before shkia. This way you could say lachayim and whatever you have to do even after. And whenever the fabrengin would finish, 9.30, 10.30, 11.30, whatever time at night, then they would bench. The Rebbe would lead the benching. He would actually do Rabbi Yisai. Then they would have a marv. The Rebbe would lead the Havdalah. And then from his Havdalah cup, he would give out wine into everybody's cup that walked by. It's known as kosher bracha. So four Fabrengans. Now that's quite intense to, you know, spend that many hours. If you think of it, each Fabrengan, let's say between three to five hours per Fabrengan, right? So you're talking about somewhere between 12 to 20 hours you would have been together in the room with the Rebbe talking, the singing, talking, singing like that for bringings just on this few-day holiday. So in this holiday, the Rebbe spoke a number of things. And one of the things that he spoke about was a theme that we're going to cover today, God willing. And, it's, and it was published, it was put together for the Rebbe to edit it. And he edited it in 1977 this week's Parsha, because it's something connected to this week's Parsha, as we'll, we'll learn. So the theme of it's learned from today's Parsha, so that's why it was published for Parsha B'Shalach. So that's introduction one. Introduction two is the actual subject that we're going to learn. You've, and many people are familiar with the most common Erev, subject of an Erev. An Erev basically, since the Torah says in today's Parsha that you're not allowed to go outside of your space, you're not allowed to go basically from a private domain into a public domain to carry stuff. You're not allowed to go carry the mana from outdoors, indoors, and vice versa. So you're not allowed to carry on Shabbos. So it says you're not allowed to go from private domain to public domain. Well, maybe you could make the public domain call it a private domain. How could you do that? By putting up a barrier, a fence, a string, something around an area, which is a very complicated halachic uh, um, you know, limitations and how it has to get done. But if you follow all the laws of the Erev, which basically you could call it a string or, ba- or a fence, whatever, then you could technically carry in there because it's all part of private domain. But so that's the most well-known Erev because it's the most relevant year-round. So people that rely on carrying with the Erev, right? In general, we try not to rely and carry on the Erev, even if you have a 100% kosher Erev. We try to avoid actually using it unless you need to. If you need to, it's there. But you try not to get used to it, cause, mainly because you can make a mistake when you're not around it and you forget that, uh, you know, that, uh, that, that it's only when there's an Erev, not when you're not in the Erev. So you kind of get used to always carrying could be a problem. But in any case, there are another two kinds of Erevs. And that's all we're going to be learning about today. The, the, the next most known Erev is called the Erev Tavshilin. What is this Erev? Erev means boundary, but Tavshilin, or Erev maybe means more of mixture, mi- mixing two, two things together. But the point is, this Erev is called the Erev of Tavshilin. Tavshilin means for cooking. What is this thing? Let's say, as we spoke before, that the holiday was Thursday, Friday, and Shabbos. We all know in the laws of cooking that on Shabbos, you're not allowed to cook food on Shabbos. So if you want food prepared for Shabbos, you'll have to do it on a Friday. But what happens if Friday is Yom Tif? And the day before is also a Yom Tif, Thursday. So that means you have to figure out what's the laws for Yom Tif. So on Yom Tif, 
you're allowed to cook on Yom Tif from an existing flame. There's different laws, Shabbos and Yom Tif. One of the big differences of Shabbos and Yom Tif is Yom Tif, you're allowed to cook if you have an existing flame on already before Yom Tif. However, are you allowed to cook on Yom Tif for Shabbos? So even though Friday is Yom Tif and Thursday is Yom Tif, am I allowed to cook on Friday and prepare my meal that I'm not going to eat today on Friday, but I'm going to eat it on Shabbos? Okay, so the sages instituted, and we're soon going to learn the logic behind it, but they instituted a special method that if you want to cook on the Yom Tif, food, to have hot food or, you know, good food for Friday night meal, Shabbos day meal. So you have to make before the Yom Tif begins. So basically before Wednesday night. On Wednesday day, you have to make what's called the Erev Tavshilin. What do you do? You have to take two foods. Usually what you do is you take one challah, a whole challah, and you take one cooked item. So it could be a piece of gefilte fish or whatever, another food, two different kinds of food. You put it on a plate and you open up your sitter. And in your sitter, you look for the page of Erev Tavshilin. And over there, it tells you what's the blessing to say it's one of the seven instituted laws of the sages is this idea of this air of tavshilin that in this now once I have a plate of food which is my air of tavshilin then I keep it put it in the fridge wherever you want to put it Friday I now if I have a plate of food already here it's already a designated plate of food so I'm allowed to now make more food because I have already a meal on my front of me. So you're allowed to make more food to add to this pile and once you're making more to this pile you're allowed to make as much as you want so that I can even have leftover for Shabbos. That's that's the way it works. What's the logic behind it? Again, we're going to see soon more of the logic behind it and different opinions about it. It gets a really fascinating picture. But that's the basic system, the way it works. You make the Erev Tavshilin on Wednesday before the Yom Tif begins. If you're in Israel and it's only Friday, not Thursday and Friday, you'd make it on Thursday. And it's good. That allows you to cook on the Yom Tif to have Fresh food for the Shabbos on a Yom Tif that goes into Shabbos. So again, this talk was said in 1957. When is it 1957? When it was this setup, but this setup of Yom Tif going into Shabbos, you could, you have that quite often actually. It could happen every year, every second year, easily and multiple times. So it's a quite often kind of erev. Then we're going to learn about a third kind of erev called an erev chatzeros. Chatzer means a courtyard. Chatzerot means many courtyards. So if there's a number of families living in, let's say, a bunch of uh, townhouses, let's say, or whatever houses, and you all share the one big backyard, or you may be living in a condo building and you're all sharing the common areas. So the common areas are not really privately owned by you. You all share the expenses of the common area. So how could we carry from my apartment or my house to the common area that's the courtyard belonging to the multiple different of tenants? So you, what you do is, is before Shabbos, people actually do this once a year, so it's symbolic for the whole year, but you make an Erev Chatseris, which basically means everybody chips in, everybody, let's say, gives a dollar, and you buy a meal of food, 
and you say that this meal belongs to everybody that's living and sharing these courtyards together, and every, since everybody is a partnership in this, once you're all a partner, so we all have ownership, real ownership. You paid a dollar, so you actually physically paid some money into it, or whatever amount of money into it, so everybody has rights now to carry from your apartment or your house to this courtyard and back and forth. We're not talking about carrying outside the court. We're talking about carrying in the semi-private. It's private, but it's public to this to all the people living there. So that's another kind of Arab that allows you to carry in this courtyard areas. Now, with these introductions, we're now able to appreciate this, learn now about the significance of how the Erev Tavshulim works and the reasoning behind it. And we're also going to learn here today, we're going to learn also, besides just the logic, we're also going to learn many more laws about Shabbos that you may know it vaguely, you may know it a little bit better, but here it's all put together into one talk. So let's begin. It says, regarding the laws of making this Erev Tavshulim. So if you want to remember the word, you could... Uh, write that down. Erev Tashilim is the Erev for cooking purposes. So again, you're making this Erev on Erev Yamtif on the Wednesday. So you have it for the whole Wednesday night is Yamtif and Thursday. Thursday night and Friday is the second day Yamtif. And on Friday now I could cook base because I have this Erev Tashilim in my house. I can now cook for a Shabbos, fresh Shabbos meal. So regarding this, the question, the, the, the law is, that as soon as you finish preparing all your Shabbos meals, because remember, you want to prepare your Shabbos meal together with this other plate of food that's next to you that you already prepared from before the Yom Tif. So it's kind of everything I'm preparing now, my gefilte fish, whatever I want to make for Shabbos, it's kind of like an extension to my existing plate that I already made from before the Yom Tif. So once I finish making all my Shabbos food, Friday afternoon, I'm allowed now to eat that Erev. You could eat that plate of food up. That that cooked plate of food, you're technically now allowed to eat it up. In other words, while it's still Yom Tov, it's not even Shabbos yet, I could eat up that plate of food that I prepared before. However, it's written about from the Maharil. The Maharil is probably like the father of the Ashkenazic traditions. Okay, he's the earliest sage that started the concept of documenting and making like the rule book for Ashkenazic Jews. Okay, so he writes in his Bahu, and his name, his actual name is Rabbi Yaakov Halevi. Um, so that's Maharil, as Mighty Harav Rabbi Yaakov Lamed for the Levi. Um, and so this Yaakov Halevi is the Ben Moshe. So he lived. In the 15th century, he died in the early 15th in the year of 1427 in Worms, Germany. Okay, he's brought down many times in the Hasidic literature by the Alter Rebbe and the other Rebbe's for different novelties that he's known for. And one of them he's famous for is coming up soon is Purim. That by chapter six, you should raise your voice with the miracle starts of the story of Purim. Balayla, who anyway. He's known for a lot of different custom traditions that he established. So he says, or he started this idea, that even though you're allowed to eat your Erev Tavshilin Friday afternoon after I cooked my whole Shabbos meal, nevertheless, he would 
keep his Erev Tavshilin, to use it for his Lechem Mishnah. Lechem Mishnah is the name of the two chalas that you have at your Shabbos table. We all know the, the, the custom, the mitzvah, and also learned from today's parsha that by your Shabbos meals, you should have two chalas, not one, double portion, as the Jews were told in today's parsha that you should have, Friday, go collect double portion of money because Hashem doesn't work on Shabbos. You got to get it Friday. So at your meal Friday night, you have two chalas. By your meal Shabbos lunch, you have two chalas. And at your meal, at the end of Shabbos, known as Suda Shlishis, the third meal, you also have two chalas. Or you could, we're soon going to talk about it. But the point is here, is that he would take the challah from his Erev Tavshilin and use that one challah that he had for his Erev Tavshilin and use that with a second challah for his Friday night meal. Then he would save that Erev Tavshilin challah for the Shabbos day meal and use it again. And then by the third meal he would finally eat his Erev Tavshilin Chala. So that's what's brought down about the Maharil. He started this tradition. There's another great sage known as the Marshal. Marshal, his name was Shlomo Luria. He's well known for his commentary on the Talmud. The famous commentary is called the Yamshel Shlomo, the Sea of Shlomo, because that, uh, that was his name. So he's uh, the Sea of the Talmud of him. He lived a little bit later in the 16th century. He passed away in the year 1573 in Lublin, Poland. And he also was very well known in the early stages of the Ashkenazic rules of conduct as Jewish people, Ashkenazic Jews. And again, the Alter Rebbe, the Tzermach Tzedek, many of the Chabad Rebbe's bring him down. In other words, when they quote from him, that means that it's of real serious status. You know, they, used, they use him as authentic, you know, proof that he was so thought through and so thorough in his comments. In other words, he didn't just throw an idea. He actually, you know, had heavy backing to what he said. So he also uh, said that after, he said, after you don't need the Arab anymore Friday afternoon, you still should not eat it until the Shabbos meal begins. Nevertheless, he says that it was the custom of the Maharam. The Maharam is another person known as the Maharam of Ruttenberg. He's, uh, we need a story uh, on its own another time about him. He lived actually earlier. He passed away in 1293 in uh, Worms, Germany as well. He was from the last of the Tosfis uh, commentary people in the, uh, that is on the side of the Talmud. And the famous story about him that he was on the way traveling to Israel. And when he got to Italy, uh, people made up stories about him. They brought him back to Germany. They arrested him, put him into jail. And eventually he uh, got the cloth, the, the, the cloth to write a Sefer Torah, the, the parchments. He wrote it, and the story goes that a miraculous Torah appeared to him, one of the 13 Torahs that Moses wrote, and he was able to copy exactly word for word. And he wrote his own Torah there in jail. Eventually it was sent out into a river and the Jews found it. All kinds of very interesting stories. Eventually his student, the Rush, tried to get, and then he, he, sta- he tried to pay ransom to get him out of jail. He would not leave for paying him to get out. He he didn't want the government to use that, right, as leverage that this way they'll start arresting everybody to take big money. He ended up staying in jail another seven years and he ended up dying there. Many years later, a very wealthy uh, man named Alexander 
Weimfen, he took, he paid, I think maybe 15 years, almost 15 years later, he paid heavy money to the government to get out the body of the Baram of Rottenberg. The story goes that he was, uh, that he had a dream that night that the, that, that the Maram asked him if he wanted to live a continued life with great wealth, or would he like to finish his life now and come up next to him and be with him in the Garden of Eden? And the story goes that he said that it's everything in my life is not worth anything in comparison to be with you. And he ended up passing away within days. But the point here is that he was a very special uh, tzaddik, this Maram of Rottenberg. And he said, he, he's quoted by the Marshal, that he had the custom that he would keep the full challah, the bread, from the air of Tavshilin for the Friday night, and again for the day meal Shabbos, and for the third meal Shabbos, and then he would cut the challah at the third meal. Why? Because, and here goes the logic, why would you want to keep the challah from the Erev Tavshilin, to keep it for your Lacha Mishnah, for the two challahs, for Friday night, Shabbos day, till Shabbos afternoon, because since you did a mitzvah, with this item, it's better to do many more mitzvahs with the item. In other words, once you have a piece, a, a, you know, a physical something that you did a mitzvah with, try to do many mitzvahs with it. That was the logic. Why you want to keep it, use it for your second challah, for the night meal, the day meal, until all three meals of Shabbos. As we know, you're supposed to have three meals on Shabbos, even though soon we're going to talk about how relevant this is and what degree of importance this is. Now the Alter Rebbe and his Shulchan Aruch, going back now, the first Chabad Rebbe, right, the Alter Rebbe, brings down this custom in his Shulchan Aruch, and this makes it more formalized as law, because it's actually quoted not just in a custom place, but it's actually quoted in the Code of Jewish Law. And Alter Rebbe writes that to begin with, the way to do it is that your, the bread and the cooked items should be preserved until you finish all your Shabbos meal necessities. But then the Alter Rebbe says, it's a mitzvah min ha-muvchar. It's the most appropriate way to do a mitzvah, to wait from, from, from eating the bread of the Erev Tavshilin until one of the three meals for Shabbos and then break it with the meal of Shabbos. Because, the Alter Rebbe concludes, once you do a mitzvah with something, it's only more appropriate to do many more mitzvahs with it. And so is our custom that you don't break it until the third meal in order to have many mitzvahs that are done together with this challah of your Erev Tav Shilin. And basically use it for the Friday night meal, Shabbos morning, and then Shabbos afternoon, break it, break it. Now, what's the source of all this idea? You're saying that you take the Erev Tashilin and you use it a number of times because it's a nice idea to do a mitzvah with one item once, do many more times a mitzvah with it. But what's the source to this idea that it's nice to do that? I mean... You came up, some sages came up with this idea. It's a nice idea, but you need to have a source to it. You can't every person wake up and come up with ideas that you decide are nice and then it should become law. So obviously you have to go back to the sources of our textbooks to be able to go back far enough to find out where this idea originates from. So where does it originate from? It comes from the Gemara in the Talmud. It's quoted in the tractate of Brachas and also in the tractate of Shabbos. Over there it says regarding the Erev, not the Erev Tashon, regarding the Erev for um, public domains, and, and not public, but um, um, 
yards where you shear you shear a yard, those kind of erev. But the Gemara says there that Rav Ami and Rav Asi, now these are giants of Torah lives. These people, Rav Ami and Rav Asi, when they would sit with the meal, food that was prepared for the courtyard erev, they would sit with this food. They would make hamotzi lecha min ha'arach. They would make a blessing with it. And they would say, since I already did one mitzvah, when I made the Erev chatzeros, let me do another mitzvah together. Let's make a meal with this and have a special meal. And they did another hamotzi. So you see, this is the first time we have this quote idea of once you did a mitzvah with something, do it again a mitzvah with it. Now, even by the laws of the Erev for the courtyards. Over there, even the Maharil, who we mentioned earlier, he was the first from the documenting Ashkenazic traditions, he says the same idea over there, that you should also keep it, even the Erev Chatzeros, the one for the courtyards, you should keep it for Friday night meal and Shabbos meals. He says the same idea. You And then break it at your third meal of Shabbos. So to the Maharshala we quoted earlier, he's also from the Ashkenazic earliest leaders, he also says to keep it for the third meal and then break it. But what's interesting is that the Alter Rebbe, in his code of Jewish law, this becomes very, you know, we take this personal to us because the Alter Rebbe is the closest to us. He's the author of the Shulchan Aruch and he's, you know, the first Chabad Rebbe. So we want to understand every detail of his Shulchan Aruch, why he says something and why he doesn't say something. But it's interesting, in his laws of the Erev for courtyards, over there, the Alter Rebbe says that you could break the Chala Shabbos morning. Since, and he says, since you already did one mitzvah, do another mitzvah. But he does not say the custom to wait for the third meal of Shabbos. Ah, oh, something's there. If you think about it, by the era of Tafshilin, the cooked one, he says clearly that you should wait till the third meal of Shabbos to eat it. But by the era of, of the courtyards, that era, he doesn't say wait there till the third meal. There must be a reason for this. Especially with the Maril and the Marshal, the Ashkenazi, they say that you should wait by, also by the Chatzeros. And as interesting is, is where's the whole source to this idea that once you do a mitzvah once, you should want to do it many times with the same item. It's a regarding the laws of the courtyards. But over there, the Alter doesn't say wait even to the third meal Shabbos. He only says wait till the morning meal. The sec- in other words, Friday night, then the second meal, Shabbos lunch meal. So in order to understand this idea, why the Alter doesn't mention it by the laws of the courtyard Erevs, we have to first go to another question. By understanding another phenomenon idea, we will appreciate and come back to this idea why the Alter Rebbe doesn't say, wait till the third possible meal of Shabbos. And he says like this, and what, what's, what's the question that we have? The whole idea of a custom to break the challah from the Erev Tavshilin by the third meal of Shabbos is to do many mitzvahs with the same item. So the Rebbe asks like this, the first two meals of Shabbos are actually very, very important and more important than the third meal of Shabbos. So if you evaluate meals, by the way, there's side laws about this. You know, if there was a, there's a poor person that needs food, so during the week, a synagogue, any 
you know, pot of money that's there to help poor people, you have to give the person two meals for sh- uh, during the weekdays. And Shabbos, you have to give him three meals. Because that's, he's supposed to have Shabbos. But here he says like this, that we understand halachically that the first two meals are more important than the third meal. Because many opinions, many, many opinions say that the third meal, you don't need to have bread to fulfill your third meal. And more than that, there are some opinions that say by the third meal, you don't need to have bread at all. Not just you don't need to have a lechem mishnah, you don't need to have complete chalas. Not just you don't need to have complete chalas, but you also don't need to have bread at all, some say. And it's enough just to have from the five grains, meaning like cake or something, mizonos. And there's even opinions that say that the third meal is so less important that you could fulfill your obligation if you have fruit, just some fruit. Amazing. Meaning, so that shows you that the first two meals are much more important. So in this, if you think about it, it doesn't make sense. Why should I postpone the cutting up of my challah until... The third meal, when the third meal is not even as important. It's a very optional meal. According to many opinions, you don't need a full, a full challah, for sure not. You don't even need any bread. You could just have uh, grains or fruits. So why should I wait for the third? According to those that said, by the everybody said, that by Eir Tashilin, you should wait until the third meal to cut the challah. But why? Why don't I cut the challah by the Shabbos lunch meal, when that's an obligatory meal to have complete challahs? By the way, the Rebbe brings in a footnote here, a fascinating idea. It's a well-known idea, but it's a fascinating idea. It brings it from the Rebbe Shulchan in chapter 188, paragraph 10. Over there, he brings in, a, from in the Shulchan Aruch, there's a footnote. There's like a Haggah, like, like a note. And it's a note from the Alter Rebbe's brother that's printed in the Shulchan Aruch, like in a little side note. And Alter Rebbe's brother writes that at the end of the Alter Rebbe's life, I heard from him that he kind of retracted from the obligation of having full, complete chalas Shabbos day, because he said that at the end of the day, when you say when you bench after Mezonos, you say Alamichya. So you on Shabbos you also say Oviyom Uretzevachzenah Hashabbos Azeh. So you're mentioning that it's Shabbos. So technically, that shows that it's good enough. You don't actually have to have two chalas for the Shabbos day meal too. Over there, I checked it up. The Tzemach Tzedek, he brings down there from the Tzemach Tzedek, that the Tzemach Tzedek ruled, you must have bread, period, he says. The question is, if you need to actually have two chalas for the Shabbos meal. So for Friday night, for sure, you need two chalas, according to everybody. Okay, Shabbos day, lunch, okay, you also need to take it serious. But why do you have to wait for the, for the third meal? That for sure, everybody agrees, is much, much lighter. So why did they say the Erev Tavshil and hold the Chala the Erev Tavshil until the end of Shabbos? And you can say that it's because I want to have a third mitzvah. I should be able to say the Hamotzi, at least say the blessing Hamotzi. Because if it's just about saying the blessing Hamotzi, make the blessing Hamotzi on the Erev Tavshil and Chala by the lunch meal. So how do you explain this? That the third, why are you telling me to wait for the third meal if the third meal is so much less important than the first two meals of Shabbos? So to explain this, we have to go 
to understand, and now we're going to learn to understand the logic behind why did the sages institute this idea of Erev Tavshilin. The Erev Tavshilin is not a biblical commandment. The sages instituted that he should make Erev Tavshilin. So the Gemara tells us, the Talmud says in Tractate Be'ah, over there it says, in the beginning of the second chapter, it talks about the Erev Tavshilin, and it says there that the Erev Tavshilin was instituted for two reasons. A is the opinion of Rava. Rava, one of the biggest giants in the Talmud. Rava said, it's an order to differentiate, to make sure that you're going to put aside a nice meal for Shabbos. In other words, Rashi explains. Because Friday afternoon, the second day of Yom Tif, you easily could be distracted by the Yom Tif, and you're focused only on the Yom Tif. So you may kind of forget that Shabbos is coming. So in respect for Shabbos, that you're going to have a good meal for Shabbos, you make this Erev Tavshilin. In other words, by having this plate of interesting food, the challah with a cooked item there together on a plate, Friday afternoon you're going to remember and say to yourself, oh man, I better... Start preparing for Shabbos. Let me not forget about the holy day of Shabbos is coming. So you're going to make a nice meal for Shabbos. You won't just look at Shabbos and say, eh, who cares? I'm already tired. I had two days of meals. I'll fast for Shabbos, you know, or something like that. You know, I'll eat something small. No, Shabbos, you have to have a nice, good, respectful portion for the honor of Shabbos. That's what Rav says, why you should make the Erev Tashil. So this helps you consciously remember that I'm going to make sure I have a good meal for Shabbos too. On the other hand, Ravashi, Ravashi says, that the reason why you make Erev Tashon, because I'm worried about something. Nothing to do with that, I, I, to make sure you honor Shabbos properly. It's a concern that if a person thinks that I'm allowed to cook Friday for Shabbos, in other words, the second day of Yom Tif, you're going to cook for the next day Shabbos, maybe you're going to make a calculation on a regular Yom Tif, that's a regular middle of the day, let's say on a Monday and Tuesday, and you're going to say to yourself on a second Yom Tif, I remember one time on Yom Tif, I cooked on the second day of Yom Tif. I don't remember why that it was for Shabbos. So you may make a mistake and say to yourself that I'm also allowed to cook on a Tuesday Yom Tif for a regular mundane Wednesday. I'm going on a trip tomorrow. I want to have my food ready. And that for sure you're not allowed to do. That would be embarrassing for Yom Tif to be making food on Yom Tif or your holy day of Yom Tif because it's for a, a mundane day. You're not allowed to prepare on that day a holy day for a mundane day. So since I make an air of Tafshon, it's going to remind me that only when am I allowed to cook on one day. For the next day, only when I have an air of Tafshon, meaning only on such a kind of setup where Thursday, Friday is Yom Tif and it's followed by a Shabbos. What's the difference? Why do I need to have the two opinions? You know how they say, Jews, we argue on everything. Why do we have to argue here? What's, why do we have to have two opinions? Who cares? What, like, say one opinion, one reason for the air of Tafshon. Why do you have to have two reasons? So that makes a difference in halacha, actually. And the Rush, this, the great scholar, the Rush that we quoted earlier, he, the Rush, who was the student of the, of the Maram of Rottenberg, he's a very famous halachic uh, authority. He writes that the difference actually is, is whether you made your Erev Tashul not on Wednesday. What if you made the Erev Tashul several days before Yom Tif, on Sunday, or a few weeks before, I don't know. You made it before. Do I have to make another Erev on Wednesday, Erev Yom Tif itself? 
or can I rely on my air that I made a couple days before? If you say the reason is that I want to remember, right? Like Rava, that I want to remember to prepare a good meal for Shabbos, then I must make the air of Yamtif. Because in that day, when I prepare the food for Yamtif, and the Erev will remind me that I also need to make sure I have all the ingredients for Shabbos. If I'm going to make the Erev several days before Yamtif, that's not going to help me to prepare anything for Shabbos. But if you say, according to Ravashi, the whole reason is to remind you not to make a calculation that if I could cook for Yom Tov to Shabbos, I could also cook for Yom Tov to a weekday, then who cares? I can rely on this air of Tavshilin that I made several days before the Yom Tov too. So in other words, it will make a difference in a case where you made a halachic difference of which opinion you go with, which reasoning regarding an error of how, if you made it several days before the holiday. The Alter Rebbe brings down both reasons actually in his Shulchan Aruch, which is actually unusual. Usually he'll bring down one reason. Why does he bring down both reasons? The Alter Rebbe actually switches the order of the two sages. He says, reason two of Rav Ashi, he quotes it before the reason one of Rava. The Rebbe says in a footnote that at the end of the Sikha, he'll explain according to Hasidus why the Alter Rebbe changes the order. Fascinating uh, note, which we'll, which we'll soon see, hopefully very soon. So, the Alter Rebbe says that the first reason, which was really the second of the Talmud, that it's all about giving more honor to the Yom Tif, that you should never treat Yom Tif light, to think on a Yom Tif, I may cook for Yom Tif to a weekday, it makes a difference to, according to Allah. And he says, however, that's all if you made the Erev several days before, you have to know if it's counted or not. But he says, to begin with, never do it several days before Yom Tif. But, if you did it, Bidyevit, Bidyevit means after the fact. You did it, and for some reason, Erev Yom Tif came, and you got carried away, and you forgot, or you didn't have time, something happened that you couldn't make another Erev right away, Erev Yom Tif. Then you could rely on your earlier Erev that you made, the Erev Tashon that you made several days before Yom Tif. Now, what's the difference between the two reasons is not just the reason between the, the difference between the two reasons of which we just said, the halachic difference that it makes a difference if you made the error several days before Yom Tif, you have to make another one or not. He says it's not just a difference in reasons uh, of whether the reason, whether the reason is for a sh- to give honor to Shabbos or to give honor to Yom Tif. Rava says the whole idea of the Eretz of Shilin is to make us, it will motivate you to remember to make a good meal for Shabbos. So he says the emphasis is on Shabbos. Rav Ashi says, I'm worried that you may end up cooking on a Yom Tif for a weekday. Because you may say, if I could cook for a Yom Tif for Shabbos, I could also do Yom Tif for a weekday. That means he's sticking up for the Yom Tif's honor. So he says it's not just two different reasons. He says, actually, it's a, it's a way of thinking. In other words, it comes out to be an ideological difference. How do you approach something? Ravashi says, I'm interested to make sure that no mistake should happen. Rava says, I'm interested in making things only positive. So in other words, are you focusing on fixing a possible negative? Or am I focusing only on the positive things I need to do? According to Rav Ashi, he says, let's worry that there's no negative things should come out. And he says it's in two points. Number one, I want to make sure that you don't do a prohibition of cooking on a Yom Tif for a weekday. 
which is a total prohibition. And point two, you do you do this thing of making an Erev to avoid the cooking from Shabbos, from Yom Tev to Shabbos, unless I have an Erev Tavshil. In other words, even for a Yom Tev to Shabbos, you're not allowed to do it. But if I have the Erev Tavshil, I'm allowed to. So in other words, Rav Ashi is focusing on to make sure that we don't do anything wrong. So that's why you should have Erev Tavshil. Rav, on the other hand, he focuses on the positive side. He says that the point of having an Eretz Hashilin is to be more positive. Meaning, through having an Eretz Hashilin, I will remember to prepare for Shabbos properly. So my Shabbos will be a beautiful Shabbos, the way it's meant to be. Make a mana yafa le Shabbos, a beautiful portion meal for Shabbos. And number two, that the main point of this idea of making the Eretz, that I'm putting it aside, this this two foods that I'm putting with Eretz HaShilin because that will force me to fulfill my obligation to do my Shabbos needs properly. Now that we appreciate the reason why you do Eretz HaShilin, whether it's for like Rava, which he says the positive thing, the positive thinking that make Eretz HaShilin will help you to make Shabbos beautiful, or whether you say the reason Eretz HaShilin is like Ravashi, not to make a mistake, that you're going to cook from a Yom Tov to a Shabbos. And it says, now we can understand. Because the Gemara actually says, thank you, Rava and Ravashi, for your beautiful, logical reasons to make Erev Tashilin, even though it's not a biblical commandment about the Erev. Nevertheless, we have an Asmachta. Asmachta means we have a supporting verse for the concept of such an Erev Tavshilin. Now that's very interesting. So it's not an actual commandment in the Torah, but when you think about deeply into some of the verses in the Torah, you will find a verse that supports the whole idea of an Erev Tavshilin. So in other words, yes, the rabbis instituted it to help us to either for the reason of Rava to make Shabbos and make sure you don't forget to have a Shabbos good meal or whether I shouldn't make mistakes in a real Biblical law of cooking on a yamta for another weekday day. That's true that they're doing this to help us. We like that. We thank them for this. But there's also support in a verse. And the Talmud tells us that there's two verses. Again, I told you, we argue about everything. We have two sages that give us two different verses and where you could learn the idea of Erev Tashilin. Shmuel is number one. Shmuel comes and he says, I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from a verse in the Ten Commandments. The commandment says you should remember that it's Shabbos and sanctify it. Zachar et Yom HaShabbos Lekadshay. Remember that it's Shabbos and sanctify the Shabbos. That's what it says. Now, what do you mean remember? Remember that it's Shabbos. Say the word a bunch of times to yourself and you realize, remember, remember, remember. What does it mean to, why do you have to tell me to remember? Ah, because there may be something that's going to cause me to forget. That's why I need to have a commandment to remember. If it was natural to remember, I wouldn't need a commandment to remember. What's this thing that I may cause me to forget that it's Shabbos? Something, a side thing that's going on in my life may cause it. In this case, it's the Yom Tif. I'm having such a good time at Simchas Torah or whatever Yom Tif it is. So you forget now to prepare for the Shabbos. I may forget. That's why I have a commandment. Zachar is Yom HaShabbos. Remember that it's Shabbos since there's a possibility that I could forget. So Shmuel says the Eret of Shilin really in essence is helping you 
to remember. It's helping you to do the commandment of, so it's in other words, it's like an extension of that law to remember that it's Shabbos. So how can you actively remember that it's Shabbos? By making an Erev Tavshul. Now, the second, the second quote comes, the Talmud tells us, from a verse in, in today's Parsha. Today's Parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu was telling the Jews about the manna, right? And he said that you bake that is asher toifu afu on whatever is baked, you bake, whatever is cooked, you cook. So Rebbe Lazar says, one second, this means that I'm only allowed to bake if I have a baked item in front of me. So he says, this teaches you that on Yom Tif, when you're allowed to be cook, when are you allowed to cook on Yom Tif? If I have a baked food in front of me, then I could bake more. If I have a cooked food, I could cook even more. And this is what he says, this is what the sages, so you had Shmuel and then the sages, the sages say that this is the, their proof for the midst of the era of Tavshilin. When could you cook on on the second day, a Yom Tov, or a Yom Tov in Israel, the first, whatever, on Yom Tov for Shabbos, if I have a cooked or baked item in front of me, based on this verse in today's Parsha, uh, chapter 16, verse 23. Now, on these words, that the first opinion that said, I learn it from Zohar, remember that it's Shabbos, because something else may get in my way. Rashi is the one that explained it to us, that Yom Tif could be there so close to Shabbos, and I may forget that it's Shabbos is coming, because of Yom Tif. I'm so busy with all my Yom Tif responsibilities, and I won't make the right respect for Shabbos. That means, when Rashi is explaining the reason, he's obviously siding much more like Rava. Because Rav is the one that said that why should you make an Erev Tavshilin? The logic is, he said, so that I should make sure to have a good, nice meal for for Shabbos. So that's to say, in other words, Rashi and the Talmud where it says the verse is about remembering, it's like Rav more important, more important. If so, comes the question. The Gemara, the Talmud brings down both reasons, Rav and Ravashi. In a continuation to the support verse about Zacharias Yom HaShabbos, about remembering that it's Shabbos. So why does Rashi say that the verse Zachar, remember, is really to remind you to make a good meal like Rava? Why doesn't he say it's to remember that it's Shabbos? So I shouldn't make a mistake. And by this extension, go like Rashi, Rashi somewhere else. So the fact that he learns like Rava, that it's the idea that remember is connected to the idea of making sure I make an extra meal that teaches us that the whole point of the supporting verses is to tell you that the negative, that you're not allowed to bake something only if it's baked, and I forbid the cooking of Yom Tif unless I have a cooked item in front of me from before from the fifth day of the, another, before the fifth day, in other words, from the Wednesday afternoon already. And the verse, Zohar, Yom HaShabbos, tells you to remember is the positive. That's why Rashi is telling us that the whole learning idea of the Asmachto, the supporting verse, that you learn it out from the commandment, remember that it's Shabbos, is like Rava because he says that's the main thing of the Erev Tashulam. It's a positive act. It's not about the negativity, what bad I may end up doing, cooking on a yamta for a weekday. It's not about the negative. Rashi goes with the opinion, like Rava, that it's all about the positive. And that's the most important thing. So when you 
learn all this in this kind of way, and you collect all the information, you put it into one class, you realize, wow, the whole point is the positive thing about Shabbos, making sure I have a good meal aside for Shabbos. Now, based on all of this, that Rava tells us to have an air of Tavshilin because it's a positive thing to remember and don't let anything on the side make you forget that it's Shabbos. We could say, based on all of this, that it even has logic to say that for this reason, I should hold on to my air of Tavshilin and keep it for the whole Shabbos day. Meaning, even because, because, when I finished preparing all my Shabbos meals. In other words, at this point now, I don't have to worry that I may forget because I remembered I prepared my whole Shabbos meal. Nevertheless, don't get rid of this food. Technically, I'm allowed to eat the Erev. Nevertheless, since the whole idea of Erev is a positive experience, it's about remembering that it's Shabbos. And the whole reason why I'm remembering it is because I have this Erev Tashulam in front of me. So let me keep this air of Tashulim to remember more and more and more the whole Shabbos. The whole Shabbos I should remember. In other words, you could say it in different words. You could say it like this. And the Rebbe points out the in other words, he says. Since Shabbos, I may forget about Shabbos. And that's why I need the commandment to remember that it's Shabbos and make it holy. So from this Shabbos, there's an extra emphasis that comes only through the Erev Tavshon. Therefore, hold on to the Erev as long as you can to emphasize more the positive idea of remembering Shabbos. And now we could say that this is probably the reason why the Maril said, and it's kind of, by him not elaborating, it kind of becomes also clear that the whole reason is, because once you do a mitzvah once, do it again. Do it, I use the item again from mitzvah. Once you get excited about some mitzvah of something, use it again, use it again, Right? And he even brings down what it says in the book of customs written by the Marat Tirna, which his name was Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac, came from a place of Tirna. He wrote a book on the Maril of a whole Sefer Haman Hagem, a book of customs about how the effect of customs for those that follow the Ashkenazic customs. He writes over there, you should keep the air for sure until Shabbos comes in. Don't eat it right before Shabbos. Why is that? Because according to Rava, the whole idea is of the Erev is to remember more that it's Shabbos. So keep it into, for short into the Shabbos. Here the Rebbe goes into a small little uh, anecdote, but it's also a fascinating thing. It's not worth to, uh, to skip it because you, know, you, you don't want to have problems falling asleep tonight. So he brings down that if you look closely in the Alter Rebbe's wordings and his choice of words in his halacha, you find such beautiful depth there. He says, by the air of Chatseros, the air for the courtyards, that kind of air over there, the Alter Rebbe writes, that after you make the air, you could eat it. It's good to break it by your Shabbos morning meal. Right? He says, it's good it, it, because you already have it to wait for the Shabbos meal. But he does not say about keeping it for the Shabbos afternoon. But by the air of Tavshilin, the Alter Rebbe says, to begin with, you should keep it until you finish all your Shabbos meals. And then he says a different wording by the air of Tavshilin. But there he says, Mitzvah bin Hamuvchar. It's the most beautiful way, the most highest standard of doing a mitzvah is to wait from eating that bread of the air of Tavshilin until you finished all three meals and you break it at your third meal.
Because once you did a mitzvah, once you did it, wait for it. From here you see from this choice of words out there that he adds regarding the air of Tavshilin, that it's a mitzvah min hamufcha, it's the best way of doing a mitzvah, wait for the third meal, is not just a side point, wait for the third meal. He's trying to tell you that that's the best way to do the mitzvah, because here I'm emphasizing, remembering that it's Shabbos, I'm now extending the idea of remembering where I could have got sidetracked by the yomter for some other reason to forget. So from here you understand that through this that you use your Erev for all your Shabbos meals and I used it for my Friday night Lecha Mishnah. I used it for my Shabbos day in a way mitzvah min hamufcha, the best way of doing a mitzvah. And therefore, the Alter Rebbe says that that's the best way to do the mitzvah to be wait. So in other words, he, he rules, in actuality he rules, you're technically allowed to eat it before the Shabbos, once you made your Shabbos meal. But the best way to do it, you want to do a mitzvah the best way? Just like we want our kids to do something the best way, the best, we, all, we understand Hashem wants us to do a mitzvah, not just the minimum requirement. Hashem always wants us to do a mitzvah. The most ideal way is to do it the highest standard way if possible. In this case, use your Eret Hashem for your Lecha Mishnah Friday night meal, your Shabbos day meal, and eat, break it only at the end of Shabbos. It's also interesting, he brings in a footnote here, that the Alter Rebbe, takes a certain style like the Rambam when he writes laws. And if it's not a straight black and white law, he'll just hint to it. And he'll leave us to our imagination how to take that mitzvah even to another level. But in other words, if there's no black and white source somewhere, they'll just say it like in that kind of way because they don't want to make new rules. They only want to bring down what's already rules. They're not looking to make more rules. Now, based on all of this, we also understand why the Alter Rebbe said to break the air of Tavshilim by the third meal, as we asked earlier, seemingly the third meal is the least important of the three meals. We said that there are many opinions say you don't have to have two whole challahs. Many opinions say you don't even need challah at all. You could just have grains or even just fruits. Why does he say break it at the third meal? If the third meal is the least important, he should have said at least break it at the second meal because according to everybody, the second meal is a biblical commandment to have challah at the second meal. So he said, now we'll understand, according to the opinion that we said now, that the whole idea of the Erev Tashun, like Rava, is to expand on the honor of Shabbos. So therefore, you want to use it as long as, as, long as you can on the Shabbos. In other words, to emphasize the idea of remembering Shabbos as long as possible. Any last possible meal you're going to have on Shabbos, take the Erev Tashun till then. In other words, when you're holding that the Erev, you have the Erev, you're holding on to it for every meal, even for the last meal, the third meal, you could, re, you could connect that with remembering of the Erev Tavshilin for all your meals. When is this talking about? By the Erev Tavshilin. Because in the Erev Tavshilin, you have the mitzvah to remember. But the Erev Chatseros has nothing to do with honor of Shabbos. That's a different subject at all. It's just that you could use this property together. It's not included in the mitzvah of remembering it's Shabbos. Only the Erev Tashulun has to do with that. Now, the Rebbe goes on to the idea, and this is always the most enjoyable part, is now he goes into the part of the Hasidus and the lesson. 
What's the takeaway? Always we need a takeaway, especially when you learn this beautiful uh, learning subject. Remember, by the way, he said this on Simchas Torah, so everybody was obviously very joyful learning all these deep concepts, right? Or he was waking us up with it. But then comes always the lesson, the punchline, right? You don't fall on a fall asleep for a punchline. So he tells us what's the service to Hashem, the takeaway from all of this. He says a beautiful idea here. What's the difference of a Shabbos and a Yom Tov? At the end of the day, they're both non-working days. You're supposed to have a good time, have meals, go to shul, be with family, friends. I mean, what's the difference at the end of the day? So he brings down from the Zohar. The Zohar says that if you look in the use of words throughout the Torah, you find a very, very subtle but powerful difference. Shabbos is called Kodesh. Shabbos Kodesh. You know how you finish Kiddush for every, you know, you say Baruch Hashem, Mikadesh HaShabbos. The sanctified day of Shabbos, right? But Yom Tif, you say something else. You say Mikro'e Kodesh. Right? Asher Tikru'u Aysam B'Mo'adam. You use the words, i calling it holy. This is one second. There's always pointing this out. There's a difference here. Shabbos, you say, Shabbos, you say, it's code, it's holy. Yantif, we call it holy. One second. Why Yantif do you use the word I'm calling it? So Chasidis comes and like always and explains the Zohar. Because if you don't have the Chasidis, you know, the Zohar is just gonna be lofty, you know, lofty words. So Chasidis comes and makes it more brings it to us to show us the uh, the relevance here. And it says like this when you call somebody, what does that mean? Somebody is not here, they're there. So you have to call them to come here. So that's the difference of Shabbos and Yom Tif. Shabbos is here without you calling it. Whether you call it or not, Shabbos is here. Shabbos comes automatically on the seventh day of the week. You like it or not, it's there. Shabbos is holy automatically. It's holy. You don't have to call. I don't have to say, oh, Shabbos, welcome here. Thank you. You don't call the Shabbos. You sanctify it, you make it more holy. But you don't have to invite it, it's there. Yomtif is different. Yomtif, you have to invite it in. You have to call it. In the days when we established the date, Yomtif is based establishing on the day of, days of the month. It's not the seven day weeks. How do you know what day is Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the month? The courts would have to establish. So we, the people, established when is the days of the month. That means we Invited Yom Tif to be on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever days. So we invited it. Now that means that you're inviting Shab- Yom Tif into a weekday day. <laughs> Remember, Sunday, Sunday to Friday as mundane days. Now you're calling in, Mikroi, Kodesh, I'm calling in the Yom Tif to elevate the weekday day. That means the Yom Tif day itself is mundane. It's a weekday day. And our job is, the job of the Jews is, Asher Tikroisam, you call it, Asher Tikroisam, as we say in Davening on Yom Tif, right? You call it the day of holy means you're bringing it in. You're inviting it in to make it holy. I'm going to eat on this time. I'm making a Kodesh. Like it says, a tzaddik always eats to satisfy its soul. It doesn't have any its own interests. Tzaddik is very in tune. That's why Shabbos is automatically holy on its own. And that's why on Shabbos, since it's all holy, there's nothing to elevate on Shabbos. I don't have to work on something. 
It, it is. It's perfect. There's no remnants of negativity. It's a Shabbos. It's a special day. However, on Yom Tif, if we're missing something of the Jews' service, then that means, even though the Bestin called it, they called it, there's a verse that's brought down in, in, in the Tanakh. And it says, Perish Chagechem. I think it's in Yechesko, uh, maybe. It says, Perish Chagechem, which means that Hashem takes the dung and He throws it on your face. Meaning there are times when you, your service is not appreciated. In other words, if you desecrate it and you don't celebrate it, then you kind of like, you're dark in Hashem's eyes. That means that only a tzaddik will naturally serve Hashem. He always only wants to eat to serve his soul. But everybody else, if we mess up something, then we didn't do it properly. A little bit easier to understand this example. He brings us an example, he says, with food. There's two different kinds of food. There are foods that are sharp and sour. And you have to do something to those foods to make it edible. Otherwise, you can't eat it. But then Hashem made certain foods that are good delicacies. They're sweet. They're ready to eat. You don't have to do anything to it. They're ready to go. This is the same thing. Because in the foods that are ready to go, Hashem made them in a way that could, because there's no negativity in them. It's not sharp. It's not sour. It's ready to go. So that's like the difference of Shabbos and Yom Tov. Shabbos is ready to go. It's like the ready fruit. You take it off the tree, boom, you can make a blessing and eat it. Done. It's not something sour or sharp. Right? You don't have to do anything to it. Yom Tif, you have to transform it into make it edible to make it holy. He said this is also the difference between the two reasons of the heir of Tavshilin. According to the reason that I have to make Yom Tif more respectful. Why? Because I may treat Yom Tif mundane and I may think that I could cook on Yom Tif for a weekday day. Oy vey, such a serious thing. That's a, that's a crazy idea. It may, it may happen. So for that, I have to have an Eretz Hashem. That means that's the lower level. But the higher level is to honor the Shabbos. That's positive. It's all about making a good meal for Shabbos. That means when I'm serving Hashem on Yom Tif, it's about elevating the mundane the weekday. That's what it's about, to add more holiday respect for the Yom Tif. To make sure that I don't make it treated like a mundane weekday day. But when it comes to the reason of giving more honor to Shabbos, make a nice meal, that's because Shabbos itself is a holy day. It's higher than mundane. There's nothing to be worried about. I'm not worried about anything. I need to make sure that Shabbos should be really Shabbos. That's it. Meaning to add more light. Now he says, we could also say, according to Chassidus, now we'll understand why the Alter Rebbe, as I mentioned earlier, switched the order of the reason. He quoted Ravashi's reason, which was worrying about the negativity outcome that you may want to cook on a yumta for a weekday. He brought that first, and then he brought down the holier reason of Rava that it's all about making a good meal for Shabbos. So he says, you know why the Alter Rebbe changed it? Because the Alter Rebbe always is thinking about the service of a person to Hashem. What's the order in your relationship with Hashem? Always there has to be an order of two steps. The first step is more crucial. It's staying away from anything negative. It's called Sur Meirah. Get that negativity out. Right? As I use sometimes the example, it brings down a chassidus, that if you build a new house, 
before you can even think about moving in, is you got to clean out all the schmutz. There's lots of garbage, get some dumpsters, clean out all the garbage. Before you can talk about your relationship with Hashem, get rid of the garbage, get that out of your way. Once you do that step, in other words, the negative step, I'm worried about the negativity stuff, the schmutz there, get rid of that, then we could go to the next step. Which is what? To bring in respect for Shabbos. That's bringing in the positive. Bring in the nice furniture into your house. Bring in all the beauty. But first you have to get rid of the schmutz. Now, that's why the Rebbe first brings about the negative, then the positive, because he says, I'm talking about the service to Hashem. First get rid of the schmutz and then focus on the good. This is also the reason why, according to the second reason, but it's not detrimental. Like the, like the first reason. That's why he says this first. He says that even if you did only the, of the service to Hashem where you got rid of any bad, this is something that must happen for everybody. The, the service from worrying about an existence of bad, that's not your job. In other words, like this. There's two things. One thing is bad behavior and one thing is getting rid of the core that's inside your existence that you have negative traits. Remember, there's a difference. Do you behave bad or do you have bad desires? You could look at it like this. Bad desires may not be in the cards for you to ever achieve, ever in your life, to get rid of your bad desires 100%. The the name of our service in this world is not necessarily to get rid of your desires for bad. The name of our service is to do everything we can not to actually do the bad. Desires for the bad, that could happen. And when Mashiach comes, there may be a time for that. In other words, like, like the terminology, again, a Kabbalistic term, but it's used all over in Hasidus. These two words, good words to write down. Eskafia and eshapcha. Eskafia means self-control. Eshapcha means, I don't even have that desire anymore. Okay, take an example. Take example, you, every time you walk by a certain bakery, a non-kosher bakery, you may have a very strong desire for it. Our job, number one is eskafia, self-control. I'm not stepping in there, I'm not doing it. The next level is even higher when I don't even have a desire for it. But that's a very high level not to have a desire for it. The main thing is not to do it. The second thing is to transform the desire that you don't even want it anymore. So a person that's going on a diet, you could have self-control. That's the first level. To not even want it, oh, that's a very, very high level. Who knows if you could ever reach to that. Good luck, right? Nevertheless, it says that once in a while, you should try to reach a level that you even transform the desire. Once in a while. Like it's brought down in this, uh, he brings down from the Kuntur Seitzachayim, written by the Rebbe Rashab. Oh, very deep uh, uh, but beautiful booklet called the, the booklet of Eitz Chaim about the tree of life and when I was probably maybe 15 years old the Rebbe decided to hand give it by hand to everybody that walked by men women and children everybody walked by got this booklet from the Rebbe you know, this was the one that I got called Huntress Eitz Chaim okay yeah, a whole thing, a lot of Aramaic and words there, very beautiful stuff there. And I remember learning it with my father after I got it for many months. 
was trying to drill it into me. But he said like this over there, he quotes one idea from Deher. He says that there's two levels in your unity with Hashem. One's called a higher level of unity, called Yehuda Ilah, and then there's a lower level of unity called Yehuda Tita. Okay, higher level of unity, lower level of unity with Hashem. So in short, what it means is, the higher level of unity is that nothing in this world exists. It's all God. So everything's one with Hashem. <laughs> there's no two things. Everything's uni- united with Hashem. Beautiful. The second level is, no, 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 no. There is a world. There's a table. There's all kinds of stuff out here. But nevertheless, I use it out to serve Hashem. So one is the higher level where you don't even see anything else. You only see God in it. The second level is that there are things and you connect it. So over there, the Rebbe Rashab says that even though the higher level is the goal to serve Hashem, but mostly what are we serving Hashem in the lower level? Nevertheless, he says, once in a while, you should have also the higher, you should reach the level of a higher level of unity. You should feel that higher, higher level. Once in a while. In other words, if you really want to have the lower level properly, you have to once in a while reach to that deeper level. Go into a much deeper spiritual bond once in a while, then the, the lower level will be even a, a, a real more authentic. And with this he adds, he concludes with this idea, that we could add that not just that we have to behave, conduct our lives to begin with, like the second reason, which is Ravashi's, that you have to worry about the negative. You have to worry about maybe if I could cook from Yom Tov to Shabbos, I may, by extension, think on another holiday I could cook from a Yom Tov to a weekday day. But you have to do at least the Yesh Noagin, as the Alter Rebbe said, like some have this custom to use out the Erev Tavshilin even by the third meal. Because there's two, two sides to looking at this. The Erev, you prepare to Erev Yom Tif, Meaning Erev means in the beginning. It's before. It's like it's the beginning of your service. Even before you started to do the Yom Tif, On the Wednesday you started, you made the Erev Tashon. It's totally an Erev thing. But on the other hand, every Jew has the strength right in the beginning to prepare yourself for Hashem. And your service to Hashem, not just to do it, to reach the level of general Shabbos, but even to the highest level of Shabbos afternoon by the third meal. As it's well known, the very high levels that exists on the last part of the Shabbos. Okay, we know it's brought down another sicha in, in volume 21. Over there, the Rebbe has a whole lengthy thing that of the whole opinion of instead of eating anything, you could learn chassidus at the end of Shabbos instead of even eating the fruits. I mean, you just, it's a whole nother, it's like a, it's such a spiritual level and he doesn't quote it here, but it's brought down. It's called Raiva the Raivin. It's a very mystical time. It's the highest part of the Shabbos. So at least reach to that highest part and save your Erev Dashon a little bit for that time of Shabbos too. Meaning, even though you're in the beginning of your service, because you made the Erev Tashon in the beginning of your whole service, even before you started the Yom Tov experience. But nevertheless, through this, that you thought about it, and you did an action about it, connected to the Shabbos, already on Wednesday I'm thinking about, oh, how am I going to make sure my Shabbos level is going to be good, till the which part of Shabbos is the harder, highest part of the third meal, the third part of Shabbos. As that affects our service to Hashem, that no matter what level you're holding, it should be done well and with full authenticity 
And after that, it will reach, you will be able to reach to even a higher level. So if you start off on the right foot, you'll automatically start going and going higher and higher and higher. So it's about setting the tone from the beginning that when you do the Erev Tashulim from Erev Yom Tif, now you have this experience to go and go and go up to Shabbos on Friday. You're going to make a beautiful Shabbos meal and then Shabbos itself, you're going to save it till the end of Shabbos. So this, because it's connected to this week's parsha, that's why we're learning it now, but it's good to have this in our back pocket so it helps us to motivate us to serve Hashem in the ways of getting rid of the Ra, but then also try to reach higher levels at least once in a while. And then we will always constantly grow Grow and grow and grow.